Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Bit with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say in every episode, we got a great one for you. Who do we have? Yes, we have Sari McIntosh with us today. She is a singer, songwriter, dancer, and actress. She is also an accomplished pianist. Recently, she released the songs Money on Your Deathbed featuring Richie Sambora, where she collaborated with her brother Taylor, who was also on our show. Her breakdancing crew, Break Ninjas, won USA Battle of the Year and competed on NPC's World of Dance. And we're excited to have her on. So yes. welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> That's our pleasure. Yeah. So like we were talking about beforehand, you know, with the shows just starting back up, mm -hmm. how did COVID affect what you do? And what have you done to maneuver through this craziness? So surprisingly, COVID has kind of been a blessing for me and my family. Which I know that sounds strange to say, but if COVID never happened, I don't think we would have gotten into music so much and focused on it. Mm -hmm. As far as everything being closed down, we haven't been able to do any live performances, which has been tough since, you know, new artists, like a way to get out their music and a way to like bring out their name is live performances. But, you know, we've been <laughs> we've been working, we've been trying to do social media and then just writing a lot of music and releasing it. So yeah, COVID has been good at the same time, but a little hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we get that because, you know, mm -hmm. COVID kind of exploded this show because, you know, we started the show January 2020, a couple mm -hmm. months before COVID. We did. Mm -hmm. And our original plan was 100 interviews first year we thought, we thought that would, would be, be a great. lot yeah for the first mm -hmm. year and then COVID happens and I remember telling Sandy you know this may be our time to shine because everything's being shut down artists are going to have need a place to talk they're not working right now we're going to give them that platform and we did over 300 interviews last year because of that and We've even, I mean, there's no reason why we should be where we are. I mean, we even have like this Friday, we've got Matt, um, big Christian artist, Matthew West coming on. Yes. And, we, and, you know, we've had Sarah Evans and we've had Randy Travis. And so and we have one of the Backstreet Boys, Brian Luttrell. And you know, all of this would be happening if COVID never happened. Right. Yeah. Plus, a lot of people are home. So, they have more time to watch shows, like that type of stuff. That's awesome. Exactly. <clears throat> so what are some hobbies you'd like to do outside of music? Well, okay, I do a lot of things. <laughs> um, so I recently started playing tennis. Um, my dad played tennis in high school and then my mom got really into it. So about, I'd say five months ago, we just started going out. There's like a local park near us and they have tennis courts. So we went there and I just fallen in love with it. It's like, I'm very, I'm a very competitive person. So <laughs> tennis is like a really good sport for me. Cause you just hit the ball and it's like a very, um, with my brother, I play with my brother a lot. And that's the way I can get my anger out of him without. <laughs> it's like, let me hit him, you know, and he won't know that it was on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys ever played spike ball before? Uh-uh. Mm -mm. Okay, so um, about two Christmases ago, mm. uh, kind of blowing up. It was kind of in the beginning. And I went to Coles with my mom, and we were getting Christmas presents. And mm. I saw spike ball. I was like, oh, we should get this for my brother. 
So we got it, and we tried to play with just the four of us. And since we've never played before, it was, like, really lame. So <laughs> we never really enjoyed it. But then my brother had a graduation party, and a lot of people, like my other family members, came. Mm-hmm. And they played spikeball a lot. And we played it with them, and it's so much fun. Oh, like, wow. I was yeah. so shocked because it, I, I don't know, it's like kind of like volleyball, but on a little ground net. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love that. So what would you say is something quirky about you? Quirky? Hmm. It's a, hmm. I have like a high voice. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, <laughs> I can do this weird voice. I call it my Larry voice. I draw into this voice. Um, <laughs> Um, I found out I could do this when I, I used to share a room with my brother and, you know, like you're delirious at night and we were just mm-hmm. laughing and I was laughing so much that I went down to like this really deep register and I figured out I could go like, oh my gosh, I can do this. <laughs> so I guess that's a little quirky. <laughs> oh, very cool. <laughs> so it probably works great for your acting career too. Uh- yeah, if I ever have to do a voiceover with like a yeah. or something. Awesome. <laughs> Love that. Love now, a lot of people, they would ask, um, when did you know you wanted to do music? But I like to go deeper than that. When did it click that this could be a career move for you? Um, so music has always been a part of my life. My dad's a musician. Um, oh, wow. And I'd say when I... When it actually clicked that I loved it and I could actually do it, I was probably in first grade. Um, I was going to school and I had a crush on this one boy and (laughs) talent show. So I loved Taylor Swift at the time. And Mm. she wrote a ton of songs about love and relationships or whatever. And plus Adele, I listened to a lot of Adele. So I was kind of like a hopeless romantic in my head. Um, so I remember there was a talent show and I wanted to sing at it. So I asked my dad and he like helped me out with it. So I went up to my crush and I was like, Hey, you going to the talent show? And he was like, um, maybe, I don't know. I was like, well, I'm singing. So in my mind, I thought he would like fall in love with me (laughs) once I started singing. Um, so I got up on stage and I started doing it and I looked out in the crowd he wasn't there, <laughs> but I just realized how much I loved performing and I and I love singing. And then I was surprised by my teachers coming up to me after, and then like my other classmates saying like, "Oh, you did really good." Um, yeah. so, awesome. So that was like one of the first moments that I really felt. But basically, when you got on that stage, you got the stage bug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's it like? Um, kind of sharing the spotlight with your brother since y'all do a lot of things together, including singing and all that. Mm -hmm. It's really great Um, to have the same passion as my brother. It helps me love it more and it helps me learn more because he is older than me and he has been writing songs longer than me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Mm -hmm. it teaches me a lot about it. And plus he's like kind of a support system because you know this industry isn't easy at all rejection but to have someone kind of on the same path as you that's not only my best friend but my family too it's just it makes me feel better and it it makes it funner for me too (laughs) and he's able to look out for you because again there's so much there's so much in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. that 
that, you know, people get taken advantage of all the time. And, you know, having an older brother that does this with you, he can see spot things that maybe you don't spot. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of the rejection and all that, you know, a lot of people, they see the glory of like a Blake Shelton, of a Miranda and all that. But they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles that it takes not just to get to their level, but even a career level within the entertainment music world. And I always want to talk about that because I think that people miss the side of it. They think, oh, it's all glamorous. You jump in, you just Mm -hmm. get on stage. And we, me and you both know it's way more than that. So let's talk about some of the sacrifices and struggles you've had to go through so far. Yeah. So I'm 15 and I started homeschooling in fifth grade. That's when we started. I'm also an actress. So I wanted to spend more time on that and mm-hmm. too. So I started homeschooling and it's kind of just pushing away your social life. I, I haven't, you know, I haven't had that school experience, which has been good for me in a lot of ways, but then mm-hmm. I'm not around kids my own age. I'm mostly around adults and I'm like 99% of the time focusing on music, acting, dancing, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I don't think it's affected me that much. I still have, like, some great friends. It's just, like, not going to parties or whatever, not meeting, like, having, like, high school relationships, which, you know, I'd rather do music over that. But <laughs> Good it's just simple things like that. Yeah. You know, that's like we homeschool our nine-year-old. We do. And, and we've been put down so much for it through the years. And it was funny because, you know, we're 20, we've been a 24-7 couple since for 18 years of our marriage. You know, we, we don't live the average marriage life. Yeah. And so we've been put down for that, put down for homeschooling. And then when COVID happens, you know, all, all these people that t- put us down, Sandy and I were like, huh. So all these people that said we should live like society now has to live like us. Yeah, that's that's funny. <laughs> yeah, because when yeah, it comes to schooling, you know, schooling went to the home front. He didn't have to change mm-hmm. nothing because we were already homeschooling. Yeah, he was used to it. Like a lot of kids had that weird transition period where uh-huh. they were like, what is this? What am I doing? And they had a really hard time in school, but we were already homeschooled. So, you know. Yeah, I've got some friends that, you know, this actually showed them that they could could homeschool their kids. So they they actually unenrolled them from school now and put them in homeschool. And they're going to do that all the time from this point. A lot of my friends that used to go to public school, once COVID hit, they realized that, you know, homeschool is easier for them. And they Mm -hmm. like it. So they actually started homeschooling, too. And that's what I wish awesome. people would understand. It's, it's not a one size fits all. Yeah. Some kids would thrive better mm-hmm. on a homeschool environment. Some kids would thrive better at a, at a, a classroom, in a classroom yeah. environment. You know, different kids are different. You have to be really self-motivated to be homeschooled. Uh, I'm an online school. So do you actually teach your kids? Like, are you actually? Yes. Yeah, I, I do the teaching. We have a lot of different programs that we use, different online things, one for math, one for another subject and so on. He, he's doing really well. It's still like that. it's yeah. still some of the services that we go through. Mm-hmm. They still are still teaching through yeah. that. But she kind of guide guide him. And help. When he yeah, that's great. So. He's still young, too. I started when I was a little bit older, so my mom didn't wasn't as hands-on but that's yeah. awesome because yeah. he has you to like help him through and support him now granted you know we're thinking about when he gets 
fifth grade or so, probably going on getting him in private school then. Yeah. You know, you know based on the situation that we're at, we want to build yeah. that foundation first. Yeah, I think school is good for building some social skills and kind of learning more life skills. Um, but then again, homeschool is good just to focus on what you want to learn and right. spend your time doing what you mm -hmm. want. Now that we talked a little bit about the sacrifice side a little bit, let's talk about the other side, the glory side. What are a few moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? Oh, okay. So one of them is when I went to Battle of the Year in Europe. Oh, and I wasn't older if I, you know, if I wasn't in the whole breakdancing scene. I would have never gotten to go to Paris, Rome, like all of those crazy places. And I was 12 at the time. Like right. that's what I heard of to like, travel across the world and compete at this huge competition at a young age. So that was one of, um, like that was a moment where I kind of was taken back and I was like, wow, I'm so lucky that I get to do this. And then when I booked the role for the Frost Sisters on The Gifted, mm -hmm. I was just, oh, I was just, taken back because I was going to be on a Marvel TV show. I grew yeah. up watching Marvel and I like, I love the comic books. So that was a moment where I was like, wow, I could actually do this. Like it was kind of like a little shine of light. I was so like, that was audition for you for that. Okay. So this is kind of an interesting story. So <laughs> my dad and like, so my whole family, we were taking a vacation down on the Russian river. And we were in the middle of the drive. My mom gets an email from my agency and they're like, hey, we have this audition for Sari. It's due like in two days. Um, she has to learn it and then film it. So I learned it on the way there. And immediately I, okay, so I love emotional dramatic scenes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this audition was definitely that. Um, <laughs> it, they didn't really give me much insight on what it was. I had no idea that it was for a Marvel show oh, or I just knew it was something for Fox, and he knew it was a TV series. So later on, uh, we get to the place we were staying, and it was like 12 at night. It was 12 in the morning. <laughs> so it was so late. I was really tired, but we were like, we got to film it. So we like makeshift a setting, like a, uh, like a recording thing. <laughs> we put like a blanket mm -hmm. in the back, and we did it, and my dad helped me with it. And I just remember him being like, Nope, I don't believe you. Keep going. Keep doing it. I don't believe you. Again. Uh, so we did a, we did a lot of takes, but we ended up getting a good one. And then oh, we well. started off. And you know, we enjoyed our vacation. And three days later, we get a call saying that I'm on like strong avail, which so I booked it off of one audition, which wow. was absolutely yeah. insane. And uh, we were waiting. And then I got a call and they're like, hey, you did it. And then I found out I was playing triplets. I found out yeah. that it's for a Marvel thing. And it was, just, it was insane. <laughs> Your different voices work perfect for that. Triplets. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, with your, your name, um, it's almost like a star name. It is. You know, a lot of yeah. the stars, they change their name. To wow. kind of fit, to be memorable. To be memorable. Your, your name stands out. Yes. Well, thank you. It means a lot to me. <laughs> <clears throat> so as you know, um, a lot of people, they see you as the artist, the actress mm -hmm. and all that, but they don't see the teams behind the people. And in our opinion, the teams no, never get don't. the love they deserve. So if you want to mm -hmm. take a few moments, tell us about the team 
helps you be who you are. Okay, so a huge part of my writing is my dad. He helps me a lot with it. He's an amazing songwriter, and we'll sit down and write songs together, and he's taught me a lot, and he's so talented. He's written some lines on my song that I'm like, how did you come up with that? Like, what? And then also my producer, Tommy Marolda, he's he's incredible. He's worked with people like Bon Jovi, um, The Killers, Imagine Dragons. He can take a song, like I can go in there and just play him a simple chord and melody and lyrics, and he can turn it into a huge monster of a song. And just, he just adds such amazing things and he has such good ideas. And he also sometimes sings on some of my songs. So if you listen closely, you can hear some of his harmonies in there. Um, Then, you know, my brother occasionally will come in and if he has an idea for me, he'll be like, hey, I have this idea for a song. Um, And then I'll look into it and we write a song together. Like a few, I think a month ago, my mom had her birthday. So something as we do for gifts is we will write songs for people. So uh-huh. we got together, wrote a song for my mom, and then we. So I got a fiftieth birthday coming up in August. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my mom just turned fifty too. That was oh, wow. really good. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, my mom. So it's like it's a very family. Or, or like everything that I do, my family really supports me and is really like hands-on with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mom is used to be a Denver Broncos cheerleader and a Nuggets cheerleader. Oh, so wow. Oh, wow. She's kind of taught me a lot of the dance things. And she's very good at meeting people and talking to people and just making connections. So she found us Tommy. She found us uh, our agency, everything. She's really helped us, helped me a lot and my brother too. <laughs> That is awesome. So tell us, you know, there's probably a thousand of these stories, Mm -hmm. um, but tell us a parent story where they went above and beyond for your career. And you're like, wow, they get that this is what I'm passionate about. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I would say we used to live in Colorado and Mm -hmm. we moved to Vegas because that's how much they believe that we can Oh, wow. It's pretty crazy to think that my mom grew up in Colorado. She'd never lived anywhere else. And yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I have my other brothers and sisters living in Colorado too. Of course, they're older now and they're adults. But when me and my brother were serious about music, they just fully supported us and said, well, well we're moving, we're packing up and going to Las Vegas. <laughs> um, we didn't go to California just because it's so busy and we still wanted to have some normalcy in our life. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, I'd say that was like one of the biggest moments where I was like, wow, they really support me. Yeah. That's like with us, you know, although, you know, we've always wanted to move to Florida, but we feel like, and we love Nashville. We've been there once now. Oh yes, And we love Nashville. It's got a great foundation for this show. we, We believe and but you know our kids, we don't know what they want, will be one day down the road. So we're like, you know what? I th- we believe Nashville will be a great foundational place for them. So that's kind of, so because of them, a little bit is why we're probably planning on moving to Nashville. Yeah, I love Nashville. It's so beautiful there. <clears throat> and they're calling it kind of like baby LA now because a lot of film is starting to move towards Nashville. So really, you have it all in Nashville now, just like you do in LA. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, a lot of people from LA are moving to Nashville now too, which that, I think is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and the funny thing about that is what's happening too is causing the um, prices to skyrocket because people from mm -hmm. LA and New York are a lot of people are moving to Nashville because they are tired of the big, big city, but yeah. they still want to be in a city that's happening and Nashville seems to be it. And they're all flocking there with their extra money. Mm -hmm. And People were asking 400000 for their home, and they're like, I'll give you 500000 cash if we can do it now. So all these people are in droves coming into Nashville with all this money, and now prices are going through. I mean, there, I think it's the – I think we read an article that Nashville is the second fastest growth when it comes to how quick homes sell, that that, wow. that you, you put it on the market, and usually same day it's sold. That's crazy. That's what happened to Colorado. When we, like all of a sudden, like five years ago, a ton of people started moving there and the traffic got horrible, <laughs> like kind of more of like a chill state. But now it's like busy, busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I won't like about Nashville. You know, they they do have a road problem. <laughs> you know, they do have bad traffic and with more people still coming, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, maybe they can get caught up on the roads. I don't know, but you know, hopefully one day they'll do all that. But either way, that's where we're planning on moving the next year. Yeah, so. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> so speaking of teams, we have a third co-host, um, our little nine-year-old. Yes. And our little two-year-old that when she gets older, she'll be plugged into the show too. Oh, that'll be so awesome. It'll be like a little family show. Because <laughs> we really hope that the Chris and show becomes one of them shows that's here 30, 40, 50 years from now. It may change a little bit, but we want it to be a show that, you know, lasts the time. Chris and Sandy and Daughter and Son show. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny as we, we joke with our little ones. Says, you know what? You can do the um, Chris and Caitlin show because he's Christopher and our little daughter's Caitlin. So when she can do the Chris and Caitlin show. A high series. So, what's your favorite food? My favorite food? Hmm. Does ice cream count? <laughs> yeah. I love ice cream. My parents make fun of me because I could eat like a full meal and be stuffed, but I'll always find room for ice cream. <laughs> and what's yours? Mine is pizza. Pizza? I love pizza. Pizza's great. <laughs> All the dairy foods are so good. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant, though, so. Oh, wow. Not on my stomach, but <laughs> <laughs> so what's a favorite TV show? Favorite TV show? Hmm. Okay. Lately, I've gotten into a lot of anime. Do you know what anime is? It's like uh, no. It's kind of like cartoons, but more real than life, and they're also Japanese. Okay, so they're in the Japanese language. And I say my favorite show right now is Attack on Titan. I love that show. <laughs> Mine is SpongeBob. SpongeBob? I love SpongeBob. I actually have like a SpongeBob uh, PJ shirt. I was just wearing it. <laughs> His favorite's Patrick. Patrick? Yes, Patrick's mm -hmm. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and what's been cool about our show is because um, we bring him on, you know, he watches a lot of the Disney and Nickelodeon shows. So we've been bringing a lot of people from those shows that he watches onto our show. That, that must be so exciting. Yes. And I'm like, I wish they had this. My parents would have had this when I was young, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, types of cool people. <laughs> Next. Okay, so what's your favorite movie? 
My favorite movie. Oh, it's such a hard question. Um, okay. I really love. Hmm. Okay, it's tied. Okay. Oh, there's so many. Um, okay, I'll give you my top three. Okay, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, that's just I just the first time I watched it, I actually didn't like it. I was like, it was kind of slow. I didn't like it. But then I watched it again, and I realized like. Oh my gosh, this movie is amazing. <laughs> and the movie Yesterday, which I think came out in 2019, uh, it's it's about the Beatles. Do you know who the Beatles are? Uh, no. It's, so they were like this huge rock group, like massive, and they're so famous. Mm. And oh, they were the best wow. ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then my third, which I doubt you would know this, but you might know this, Chris, it's Wayne's World. You know that movie? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm watching it like at least once a week. I'm surprised knowing what you've mm -hmm. already told us so far that one of them was at The Notebook. Oh, The Notebook? Yeah. That's my favorite. That's Sandy's favorite. Yes. The ending? I can't with the ending. It just tears me apart. <laughs> yeah. My mom loves it though, and she'll turn it on, and I'll be like, I can't watch this. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Good job, but yeah, he lo he loves his part and all that. And he's been on almost every um, episode and all that, so it's been fun to have to kind of combine the family. And yeah, I know y'all get that because that's what y'all do. Yeah, you're training him for when he takes the big spot. <laughs> that's, that's, it. that's it, absolutely. So I see you're a big um, K-pop fan. Oh yes, I am. So tell us about that. It's okay. So okay, th this is kind of like a new thing for me i guess mm -hmm. um i of course like i knew who B bts was i was like mm -hmm. the one pop group that i knew that was like that's like one of the biggest k-pop groups in the world yeah. But I, yeah my dad actually lived in korea for two years oh wow and, yeah and when he was like 19 and 20. Mm -hmm. and he kind of built a music career out there which is interesting he okay. like knew the language fluently and he had a partner that he like made songs with and he sang with. And he did a foreigners contest there. And he kind of blew up after that. Oh, and wow. So I kind of grew up around like the Korean language, I guess, because mm. my dad, I could hear like, I, he doesn't talk it that much because my mom doesn't speak Korean, yeah. but I, he would talk to like some of his friends or people that we would just meet on the street that would be Korean. He would talk to them. So I always thought it was really cool. Um, and then about six months ago, I started getting into K-pop. I found the band Straight or the group Stray Kids. I don't know if you know who they are, but um, they're a really good K-pop group. Oh, well. And yeah. I started getting more interested into it. And I was like, "Hey, Dad, can you show me old videos of you singing in Korean?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, sure, if I can find them." So he ended up finding them, and I watched it, and it kind of was one of those like aha moments where I was like, "That is so cool. I want to do that too." So I asked him, I was like, hey, can you teach me one of the songs he sang? And he did. And surprisingly, I, I picked it up pretty well. So we just kept, he just kept teaching me songs. And then I was like, can you teach me some Korean? And cool. he was teaching me. And then he was kind of like, well, do you want to take real Korean lessons? I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. So for five months now, I've been taking Korean lessons twice a week. 
And then I've just been learning more about K-pop and finding more music, and I, I just love it. <laughs> That, that is awesome. So cool. And though Chris is probably going to be upset with me because I forgot to let him answer the very last question. So his uh, movie is the Minions movie. Despicable. He's probably going to mention that to me later. But I didn't get that to say mine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <We didn't perform. laughs> I love the Minions movie. <laughs> so if you could co-write with any artist, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Okay. Mm, Freddie Mercury. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I, I love him so much. He was also one of the reasons why I fell in love with songwriting. Mm -hmm. um, I watched, like, a lot of young people started finding out Queen from the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Yeah. Because, of course, like, I knew who Queen was. I mm -hmm. heard their songs are legendary. They're played on the radio like, every single day. But I didn't really know that much about them until I saw the movie, and I was really intrigued by it. And then my dad actually had a book on Freddie. So he let me read it and I read it. And I actually realized that the movie wasn't that like accurate. <laughs> oh wow. But that was interesting. Um, but I just kept learning more about them and I just loved how it, Freddie really had a passion and he went for it and he had a lot of people doubting him. Mm -hmm. But where he is now, like he's, one of the he's a legend so yeah. yes they're talking about doubting i remember there was a tweet that luke combs did a few years ago where he um talked thanked all the executives that he pitched his songs to and they said that they'll never work and all six went number one wow that's so cool you know john mayer oh yeah. yes so his biggest album he showed it to his record label and they were like we don't hear a hit on this album like no. not one. Oh, that's crazy. And then it ended up, uh, I think it was Continuum, which was the album that they, and it oh, ended up being like one of the biggest albums ever. Hit all of his songs were in the charts and it's just crazy. It's like yeah. we seen um, Toby Keith being interviewed a while back, a couple years ago in his, when he was at his prime. And I remember he, they were asking him about different songs. And he said that even though he was already a big artist, he said he had to fight for every one of them songs. They kept saying they are not gonna work. He says, no, I know my audience, they're gonna work. And yeah. and they did, but still it was like he, you know, even as big as he was during that time, he still had the fight. You know, that, that's what amazes yeah. me when you talk to different people and you see interviews and all that, that, even, that you could be, you know, your Blake Shelton's, but the label still wants to tell you what to do. Yeah. <laughs> It's crazy. You really have to be like strong-willed and know what you want because uh, like people try to deter you and change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's the scary part with the whole industry is it's like um, they want a, a cookie-cutter person and you come in this and you're like, I am not that. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, they, you know, you can be a part of the label or not and that'll build your career, but now you're not who you are. Mm -hmm. Like, didn't that happen to Christina Aguilera? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She hated Lady Gaga too, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then she finally started writing music that she loved, and like she blew up. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it's, and it's and it's crazy, you know. It's like, um, and part of me wonders if a lot of the drug, drugs and alcohol that's within the entertainment industry mm -hmm. could have to do with stuff like that, where the label makes them be who the label wants them to be. 
and they know that's not them, but they're out there singing it and they're not real. And yeah. so in order to mask that, they have to go to drugs and alcohol. Yeah, that, that could be because that'd be horrible just to wake up every day and pretend to be someone that you're not. <laughs> It would. It would. Yeah. I mean, that was like one of the best advice I remember getting when we first launched this show. Mm -hmm. I remember um, asking a friend of mine from Nashville what advice he would give us. And this is perfect advice for really anybody, but especially in entertainment. And I remember him saying, whatever you do, be and stay authentic. He says, you could tell every Bobby Bones joke. You could tell every Ty Bentley joke because he knew I looked up to them. He yeah. says, and you might even be good at it and create an audience. He says, but the day will come when authentic Chris comes out. And when that day comes, you're going to lose every bit of your audience because they were never attracted to you. They were attracted to fake you. So, yeah. so, so if you grow, if, if you just become you from the beginning, you may grow slower, but you'll gain the right audience in the meantime. Yeah. Plus I feel like you can kind of see through the act. Most of the time you can tell if they're not being fully authentic. So yeah, I agree with you. It's important to be that. Yeah, she said Demi Lovato went through that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, did you guys watch like all of her YouTube documentaries? We have. We have. You should watch it. It's very interesting. Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> um, so let's say that you have, um, you know, this could be a thousand answers to this um, question. But what's a song that you've heard on the radio or heard out there that you wish you wrote? I wish I wrote? Hmm. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> um, I would say, honestly, like Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't even, I don't even understand how Freddie wrote that at all. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I still try to, like, every time I listen to it, I try to break down, like, I wonder what he was thinking. I wonder what he means by this. But I like, you know, I have like my own interpretations, but I'm just really curious what he was actually thinking about it. And yeah. it's just like, such a packed song. There's everything in it, and you really push the boundaries with everything. So <laughs> that is a song I would write Bohemian Rhapsody because that's just incredible. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> so back in 2015, we interviewed Kelsey Ballerini before mm -hmm. she became big. And one of the questions I asked her was where she wanted to be in five years. And I always like to tell this story before we ask the guests that same question, because the answer she gave us back then was exactly how she's living right now. I mean, Kelsey knew where she was going. Oh, she had it all planned She out. had it planned out, mapped out. So knowing that, where do you want to be in five years? In five years, I'll be 20. <laughs> That's kind of crazy, but uh, I see myself along with some of the biggest artists. I see myself, you know, having my own world tour and being able to collaborate with people like Adele or like you know those huge talented musicians. Um, I I see myself being able to like share my music with everybody and actually have like more of the platform to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's why I see myself. I love it. So let's look 15 years down the road. Um, and let's say that you're a success on a grand scale, whatever that looks like for you, you've made it. If yeah. the person you are today could meet her, your future successful self, what would you want to remind her? Um, I would want to remind her like where she came from and that you still got to stay humble. Mm -hmm. Mm 
you, I feel like a lot of people when they get famous, they kind of lose reality a little bit, even though the reality is completely different than how it would have been when they were before they were famous. Mm -hmm. I think you just have to stay grounded and have to realize that this is kind of a privilege to be able to do what you do. And I, I to stay grateful. <laughs> yes. And how would you describe your music to someone who hasn't heard it yet? Ooh, okay. I would describe it as pop, but with meaningful lyrics. I feel um, like a lot of pop songs, they kind of just repeat the same, the same words a right. lot. And it's mostly just like to have a good vibe. Yeah. Um, and my songs still have a good vibe, but if you actually listen to it, it has a deep story to it. So that's how I describe my music. <laughs> I love that. And what would you like your legacy to be as an artist? What would you like to be known and remembered for? Hmm. I would say I would want to be known as a person who just went for it and just <laughs> left all of the doubts behind and just followed their dream and did it. <laughs> and you know, you've got to be that way because you don't want to live in regret. Um, Especially, the young, you know, we just started this show and people told us we couldn't do it. People told us it never work. People told us all kinds of stuff. And, and, and then being, you know, that I was in my upper 40s when we launched the show, um, it was like um, people were like, oh, you're too old to start this uh, a hosting career and all that. Yeah, and we, and we had no experience, no experience in no radio, backing. no background, no, no backing from like a bigger company. Nothing We just us too and we're, just like, and we're just like you know what we're gonna do it anyway yeah and and now yeah, it's like for it. at night we pinch ourselves can you believe we had so and so on can you believe we you know <laughs> yeah. it's been a crazy venture but again like we all talked about at the beginning of the show we owe COVID to a lot of this growth because it slowed everybody down so they can get ready for our show yeah. <laughs> The best thing happen when you're out of your comfort zone and where you're taking a leap of faith. So. Oh, so true. Yeah, because I've always lived my life in that way where I didn't, I never wanted to have regrets. I mean, you know, no matter who you are, you're going to have right. some regrets, but I, I never wanted to live in that. And the worst thing that you could do if you're a creative person is to look back and wonder what if. I would rather go for it and just fail miserably than mm -hmm. to just never do nothing. Yeah, that's exactly what my family's mentality has been. Because, you know, my brother graduated, and it's it's been kind of hard for him when he's tell people that he's not going to college because a lot of people yeah. look down that, and they think, well, why, are, why aren't you? Like, <laughs> you should always have a backup plan. Yeah. It's uh, like, why go for the – why have a backup plan when you're just going for what you really want? Because if you're all not – All he's doing is what a lot of the big – I mean, <clears throat> when you watch the interviews of the bigger artists um, – it, there's always that one question that every host asks to the big artists. They always ask, what would you be doing if music didn't work out? And 95% of the time, the artist has the same answer. I would just be a broke musician because I had no plan B. Yeah. <laughs> because a plan B creates the atmosphere to where, okay, I can fall back on that. So your plan B ultimately becomes your plan A when you struggle. Because mm -hmm. if you... You have to be completely focused on plan A else. You know, I feel like there's always kind of some back thoughts about <laughs> whatever. You have to really just go for it. 
And see, that's how I want when little Chris gets older and he finishes high school. I kind of actually would hope that if he do, does want to go to college, that he will take a gap year to find himself in that year. I'm not, yeah, not going to be one of them. Really I actually don't do. want him to go to college right off. I'd rather him take that gap year, figure out what it is that he wants. Then if it takes college, great. If it doesn't take college, I'm okay with that. Just go yeah. for your dreams. I think it's like so interesting the way our life works. We decide what we want to do forever at such a young age. And, you know, everything changes as you get older. So I think that's a really good idea to let him figure out who he is and what he wants to do. Yeah, Yeah, because like you said, you know, and, you know, I've I've got friends of mine that's been in their career, say, 15 plus years, and they're miserable. And you sit down and you ask them, you know, well, hey, you've got this great um, lifestyle. You've got this great family. You've got this great career. And then. A lot of times they'll stop and say, well, well, that's the problem, the career. And you're like, how can the career be the problem? You went to six, eight years of school for this. And they're like, well, I didn't do it for me. So Mm -hmm. it says I had other passions, but my guidance counselor, my parents, my friends, whoever said this is the better path for me. And although it makes them money and decent money, they're miserable. Because they did not follow that path that they always felt in their heart. Yeah. That's why. Just doing what, what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> That's like with us. You know, wherever this takes us, we're letting it take us. Yeah, we're following yeah. the path. Okay. <laughs> you never know. You know. Like, something my mom always tells me is, like, tomorrow is never promised. Mm-hmm. So, just be happy with what you're doing today. And, you know, we'll see and just see where life takes you because everything can change in like a blink of an eye. Oh, I love yes. that. So as we come to a close here, let's say you had a friend of yours that you heard him or her sing and they've got something special. Mm-hmm. As Simon Cowell would say, they have that it factor. Mm-hmm. And let's say they've played only 40 or 50 shows. They're still getting their feet wet on the performance side, but they've gotten on stage. Like you said, they got that stage bug where they look over the crowd, the crowd's roaring for them. And they know they're in the right place. And they come to you and they say, I know I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to kind of help guide them the next few years? I would say do it. I would say be present in what you're doing and listen to yourself. If something doesn't feel right, if you feel like you're kind of falling off the path, then check in with yourself, see where you're going. Focus on music itself, the art form, and just enjoy what you're doing. Because I feel like when you're happy and you're having fun, I think that's when the best things happen. Mm-hmm. So keep going for it. Don't let other people's opinions drag you down or change your mind in any way. Because, you know, everyone has an opinion. Everyone's going to think some people might think you're great. Other people might think you suck. You just have to stay strong in who you are and know that you have this dream and just keep going. (laughs) And that made me think of one last thing. As you know, you know, see, when we were younger, they had bullies back then, but you didn't have social media where people could be trolls without you even knowing who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, Now you got so many trolls out there that, that, that they're, they feel like their job is to tell you how bad you are. Yeah. How do you handle that side of it being a teenager? So personally, thankfully, I haven't gotten a lot of hate, but, you know, people are so much braver when they're behind the screen and they (laughs) (laughs) straight up face to face. So, you know, people can say some really nasty stuff, 
But in the end, you just got to remember that they're probably projecting something that they're going through onto you. Yeah. Yes. You know who you are. And if you're like a steady, good in yourself person, then it shouldn't bother you as much. And of course, it's not nice to hear mean things. Yeah. Like you, right. But you just have to kind of have tough skin and let it roll off your back. Because hurt people hurt people. Exactly. <laughs> and like you said, tough skin. If you're getting an entertainment, you better have tough skin. There's just yes. <laughs> yes, you have to. Uh, you get tough skin. <laughs> that's true. So as we close here, tell everybody how they can find you. Uh, hello, guys. You can find me on Instagram at Terry McIntosh. You can find me on Spotify at Terry McIntosh. All of the music streaming platforms is just my name. And I have a YouTube channel. It's called Say Hi, Sari. So you can yeah. also see more of me on there. <laughs> I love that. And we definitely have yeah. enjoyed having you on the we show. We did. This was yes, fun. I had so much fun. Thank you, guys. And we look forward to having you back down the road. We do. Yes. That'd be so much fun. <laughs> All right. You have All a great right. day. Thanks Thank so you much. so much. Bye, guys. Bye.